So every year, we like to um, have a little agape service time about getting to know your church a little bit. Um, we've always been kind of known as a little bit of an airport here. We have people come in and come out, and uh, we're always seeing new people. And just last week, someone said, where did this church actually come from? And what do you guys think? And what's your vision? And I said, well, you got to come once a year to find out. Um, <laughs> we're not going to tell you otherwise. So um, no, it's exciting. It's our third year in doing this. And I thought this year, last year I had Amy share a little bit how we got here just to give you another perspective. And I thought, you know, in some ways you get a little tired of hearing my voice too. So I thought it would be good for a couple of people to share maybe how God has used Northgate uh, a little bit. Obviously, it's all his work, but we wanted to have maybe a different perspective in terms of what Northgate is meant to people. So if you're new here, you can say, oh, wow, if God can work in them, he can work in us through a bunch of uh, foolish people, right, who just want to look at Jesus. So I've asked a couple of people just to share a little short word, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about vision. So I'll start with Bob Winner. Most of you know Bob. He's uh, usually here with a smile on his face. Bob was almost here from the beginning, but he can share that. But he's been a blessing to us, and to see him spiritually grow and uh, on this journey has been wonderful. So Bob, why don't you come up? years ago, I would not have found myself standing in front of a group such as this. And I did write a number of things out so I wouldn't stumble very badly in a kind of informal kind of arrangement. The question I was asked to answer today was how God has used Northgate to bless me with my walk with God. Specifically, Dan, that's, and you're a large part of that, Dan, so forgive me. First of all, I would like to state that Northgate has been my only church home. I would like to share a little story. It was Chelsea that first led me to Northgate. I was deeply impacted by her when we attended church with her in Germany. Upon her return, she started attending Northgate in the summer of 2008. It may have been through Jamie Bender at the time that led her there. I didn't know anything about it as I w it was not a mainstream church, and so I attended it to see if it was a cult. The first person I met was Paul Goss. I rolled down my window, and I introduced myself. All he said was, Jesus has great plans for my daughter. <laughs> I was jealous of Chelsea when she attended the discipleship program that year. Well, 11 years later, I am still here, and in the early years, early days of my attendance, Nathaniel Schilke was a newborn. I was blessed through the simplicity and strength of the sermons. They are all entitled Dear Bob. In a small devotional book called Chosen, chapter 11 called Loved, it talks about a young preacher named Harry Morehouse. 
1867, he traveled from Ireland to, to Chicago to preach at D.L. Moody's church. For seven consecutive days, he preached on John 3.16. He couldn't think of a better passage to preach on. In some ways, that focus, that consistency is reached at Northgate. The foundation is that you are loved by Jesus, you are forgiven through the blood of Jesus, trust in him, and be a disciple. Dan Schilke is our Harry Moorhouse. <laughs> you cannot separate Dan Schilke from Northgate. He continues to test us, identifying that the church is a living, breathing organism that depends on the involvement of many through varied worship, home and youth groups, ladies groups, and corporate prayer. And he is testing others through the local prayer for Perth initiative. I am proud to call Dan my good friend and spiritual advisor, and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he has blessed all of us, a good shepherd to his flock. It is through spiritual growth with, within Northgate that I feel led to help others, be more generous, and push or test myself. I've attended solely business four times, not because I'm a slow learner, and I'm involved again with the Reveal Journey for Jesus program. Northgate has given me a foundation that allows me to dialogue with others and be an encouragement. I'm eternally blessed through my relationship with Northgate. Amen. <laughs> Paul Goss, yeah. Yeah, Bob does that for fun because I'm kind of like a side hugger, you know, like. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Shannon Miller, we're going to ask to come up. Shannon and the Millers. I love mentioning this. They were looking for the church next door, went past it and found us. That's how they found Northgate. So <laughs> anyways, God brings them here one way or another, right? So, but the Millers have been with us since the beginning. It's been so neat to see them grow. So I asked Shannon to share. Thank you. So my question that Dan posed to me was, uh, would you please share what Northgate has meant to you? Well, in a nutshell, it means I'm home. But since that won't fill the five minutes I was given, I'll have to expand on that a bit. So first, I'll give you a little background. Um, I attended church as I grew up. I knew about Jesus, and I believed all the stories that I was taught. But until I was in my 20s, I didn't particularly understand what it meant to know Jesus as opposed to knowing about him. As a father and a friend and the one who, despite all of my inadequacies, loves me with that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love that we sing of. So this journey with Jesus as father, savior, and friend began in earnest just over 20 years ago. There have been ups, downs, bumps, bruises, and full-out breaks. But thanks only to his amazing grace, we keep moving forward. He continues to reach out that strong yet gentle hand and say, come on. Northgate became a huge part of that journey for our family about 12 years ago. Um, Tyler was a toddler. If you <clears throat> know me very well, you've noticed that I like order. I love lists. 
structure is my friend. So um, with that in mind, you'll understand why I've laid out my answer to the question in the form of an acronym, HOME, H-O-M-E. Aren't you glad it only has four letters? <laughs> the H is for help. Isn't that something we'd all like and expect to find at a church? Yes, with the practical things, meals when a baby arrived, helping hand with various projects around the farm, wood cutting, strawberry picking, um, right down to yanking out some wayward corn stalks the night before our maize was set to open last fall. More than once, it's been a voice of experience on the other end of the phone or across the table when those what do we do now moments come up in parenting, in business, in marriage. Then there are the less tangible, but every bit as needed helps. Prayers uttered out loud while we seek the Lord together as brothers and sisters in the family of God. Prayers offered up secretly and silently that I've never even known were prayed. A well-timed hug. Yes, contrary to popular belief, I too love a good hug. <laughs> a kind hand on my shoulder or a knowing glance across the room as a worship song strikes a chord in here, not on the keyboard. Yes, H is for help, offered freely, willingly, without expectation of anything in return. Sometimes help also looks a lot like love, as in John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. O is for open, as in welcoming, comfortable place to be. From the very beginning, Northgate has felt like a safe place to be myself. Well, as much as someone on the more introverted side of things can be. One of the things I appreciate most about this church and this church family is what you don't find here the feeling of being judged, the masks that are sometimes worn, making it look like everyone else has it all together, and the idea that there's an unwritten standard that one must live up to, whether it's what we wear, how we speak, how our children behave, or what our past looks like. As someone who has experienced church both ways, let me tell you, there is far more room for growth when we lose the masks and just be real with each other. At Northgate Open also refers to the readiness to hear and respond to the Holy Spirit. There's no 10-year plan with bullet points, at least that I know of, laid out according to our fleshly desires to succeed as a church, whatever success looks like. Of course, there is direction and vision, but all a result of and subject to God's leading. That example of listening and obeying set by the leadership here has been such a blessing as I'm learning to apply the same principles of listening prayer to my life and to be open to what God has to say. M is for moving. Not physically moving. As far as I know, we'll be here again next week. Northgate is moving in the community. There's such a heart in this place for the hurting and lost in Lanark County and Perth. So many people are feeling hopeless and helpless because they've not yet known or been told of the love of Jesus. Until I came to Northgate, that would have been described as not my problem. Over the years, as I've observed this love, love like Jesus had when he was here on earth, love for people with whom I have little in common, 
I've learned so much. It's always been clear that connecting with these people has no ulterior motive. It's not so that Northgate can increase our attendance or up our Google rating. On the contrary, they may never even come in those doors. And that's okay. If we, yes we, myself included, can simply share with people that Jesus is the way and let them know they're loved, then that will be a really, really good start. Speaking of community, let's take it to the church community. Another thing that's missing, happily, here at Northgate is the our church is better than your church vibe. Now, as a little aside, something you should know is that this girl was not historically by nature a team player. I'm trusting that God and I are working on that as I grow to be more like him. But to say that I have or had a competitive spirit would not be wrong. So that's precisely why it's so amazing to me to see the blessing that can happen when we work together with other churches down the street and across the town. Acting together to share the love of Jesus with a hurting world. E, exhortation. Far and away, the biggest thing that Northgate has meant to me has been spiritual growth. When I look back at where I was 15 years ago, wow, God is good. If you knew me 15 years ago, you would have had to look really close to tell, though, because those masks I talked about, I had a fairly extensive collection of them. <clears throat> Feel-good messages, not here, not usually, and that's great, because I'm not really into the fluffy stuff anyhow. The Word of God is alive and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and many Sundays as I sit out there, that cuts right to the quick. It works its way right into this hard old heart and makes me take notice. From week to week as we move through the whole Bible together, it's not always the warm fuzzies that I'm left with. More often than not, it's the two-by-four upside the head. That's also a good thing because sometimes the only thing harder than my heart is my head. But do you know the very best part? The exhortation always comes hand-in-hand hand with encouragement, which handily enough also starts with E. By definition, to exhort is to urge or to advise earnestly, while encourage is to mentally support, to motivate, to give courage. And most of the time we get both, delivered in love and humility from leaders who admit that they are just as imperfect as the rest of us. The song that was on constant replay in my head as I thought about and prepared this was one by Cochran and Company. You may have heard it. It's called Church, I Take Me Back. Um, the part that really grabs me each time I listen to it says this. Take me back to the place that feels like home, to the people I can depend on, to the faith that's in my bones. Take me back to a preacher and a verse where they've seen me at my worst, to the love I had at first, I want to go to church. That's what Northgate means to me. Help, openness, moving, exhortation, and encouragement. It's home. Wow. I don't think they have a need for a sermon now. Wow. You're hired. Woo! That was great. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for your work today. We give all glory to you.
banding a bunch of people together who just love you. God, you're so good. You're so faithful. Thank you for the creation of the institution of the church. Lord, that was your idea, and you use it more than anything else in this world. It's just people coming together, exhorting one another in your truth. That will never change, God. You love people, and you use them together for your glory in your body. And we praise you today. For the bad, the good, we've heard, the breaks, the healing, doing it together all in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. So just quickly, really quickly, um, vision. Um, maybe we can turn one little light off there. Vision's really important. As the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 28, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or they cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. And Shannon's right. We don't have a 10-point target. But we do want to have some direction. And this is kind of get to know your Sunday. So we do just want to share a few little things. That we're a church that believes in the body doing the work of the ministry. Amen? And I think that's changing continually. But more and more God is showing us that it's not the leaders who need to do the work, but rather all of us working together. We do have elders, and they're here. Mike and Kevin and Bob. We do have ministry overseers, and they're constantly changing because there's different ministries being formed or people have different visions. But we have many people working, and so we love to see the body working, overseen by leaders, overseen by elders, and as it says in Ephesians 4, really the work of the ministry is up to the saints. Amen? You're important. You make the church. And that's our vision partially here. But some people ask, how do you run? Do you run like Baptist Pentecostals? How do you run? We don't really know exactly how we run. But if you're really interested in that stuff, I don't really want to talk about it today, but you can read it at our website. Our new website, thank you, Josh, at northgateministry.com. If you want to know who the leaders are, you can just go there too and look all about Northgate. You can find the leaders, how we run, ministry applications, which is important if you want to serve here. We really believe that we're called to God's word, prayer, fellowship, and most importantly, the preeminence of Jesus. Someone asked me last year, well, how did this all start? Amy and I came with six children at the time, 14 years ago. We planted Northgate in 2006, this October, be 14 years old. It was a journey of trusting God, listening to his Holy Spirit, teaching God's word. Came from Howell, New Jersey, supported by a church there who loved that vision. Every year brought challenges and fruit, and we struggled along trying to raise a family plant a church, but God has been faithful, so good, and so gracious. Amen? You want to hear more? Go to last year's sermon by my wife on how Northgate began, but I don't really want to talk about that too much, but obviously it's there. Just go to the sermons 
section. I really believe God is doing a new work. It's been 14 years, and that's why vision, because we're never called to be the same or do the same in a sense. And I really believe a couple years ago, God began a purifying, cleansing work in us, specifically my wife and I, and the leadership. There was definitely some difficult circumstances. And in hindsight, God was just cleaning, purifying for a clearer vision and for growth promised. Amen? Do you know that God wants to use us? Bunch of foolish people together, right? We believe that God has prophesied and promised for growth. I'm not going to get in that today, whether it's dreams or prophecy from people who haven't even been here. But God is bringing renewal and revival. We believe that with all our hearts. But two years ago, God made it clear that sometimes he needs to prepare you for that work, and that involves breaking and showing you that you cannot do it alone. Amen? Not even you, not I, not Northgate. We cannot do it alone. But personally, if you look in anyone's life, you're not going to see any growth until they lose the pride and are broken and they learn to truly abide in Christ. Amen? Because it's very easy to abide in our own strength, in our own ability. But probably the greatest thing in terms of vision to teach you, I, every day, is to abide in Christ. John 15, obviously that's where fruit comes from. Abiding in the vine. Ezekiel 44 talks about ministering to God. With no sweat, by the way. We don't want to work too hard in our own strength. And we want to teach you that your life isn't about accomplishing good by you doing it all in your own ability. We want the foundation of this fellowship to continually be Jesus Christ and simply growing in his truth and his spirit. And if you simply learn, as was heard, his love each and every day and renew in that truth and what he asks you to do and obey it, you will grow. I don't know if you believe it or not, but the first thing Jesus calls you to is not to service, but to himself. And that's where you're broken. That's when you understand you can't do it. And I really believe maybe knowing that in truth, but came to our hearts very clearly. You see, when we came, we thought we put out a sign and there'd be a thousand people. The reality is Perth only has 6,000. And half this church doesn't even come from Perth. It wasn't that easy. And there was no magical formula, and there still isn't. But if we can learn to abide in Christ and let go of ourselves, we truly will grow. It certainly was a couple years ago, I remember teaching at CCHS and the students... And there came one day where they had a surprise for me. They all listened to God for me and gave me words of encouragement and prophecy and thoughts. This is coming from 14 to 17-year-olds. Obviously, I was very encouraged because as I taught them, I saw they were getting it. They were getting truth. But more importantly, I was encouraged by what they said. Of course, there were some that just simply said, oh, you're nice, you're a good teacher. But there were a few that were quite specific coming from very young people, and one of them, which I kept in my wallet for a long time, said, don't be afraid to take a step of faith. It was an anonymous note. Obviously, I looked to make sure it wasn't my own kid's handwriting. 
But it was someone I didn't know. The writing was pretty messy, but I put it in my wallet and I thought, what does that mean? And that was just coming out of those difficult two years of challenges, of pain and hurt, wondering what God was doing. I remember praying and praying over that and thinking of vision and asking God, what do you mean by that? And obviously through those two years, it was a breaking time. So all your ideas and all your thoughts, and God says, it's not about you, comes to reality, right? And I remember thinking and asking God and hearing the Lord, this word from someone else, don't be afraid to take a step of faith. And it was so clear, the Lord saying to me, it's not about what you think should happen, but you need to open yourself up to what I want to do. Obviously, our thought was always to minister or ministering through discipleship from the early days, having homes, God's word, praying. It was always about discipleship. And I'm a great visionary, but I am awful at execution. I can tell you and see the future. I just don't know how to get there. That's not my strength. But the Lord was going to take me on a journey because I think in a lot of ways, for Amy and I, he took away our dependence on ourselves through failure and breaking. And he was about to introduce things to us to help us to execute the vision of truly ministering through discipleship. How could we teach people what to do? You see, informally, if I meet with you, I can disciple you. I think it's natural for me. How are you doing with the Lord? What's going on? Where are you reading? What does Jesus mean to you? This is a part of who I am. But the problem is, if you want a greater volume of people doing that, not everyone has that ability. So you need structure to help them, not only to be discipled, but to disciple others. There is no other way from growth because one or two or five people can't do the work. I remember thinking, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? And the first thing I think he introduced to another group, which I was invited to, and now I knew I was supposed to go, but the early days of my pride, I would think I could do it myself, was a group about cell groups. And God really put it on our heart that we needed to start discipling through midweek groups, not through a midweek Bible study, but groups that were vulnerable and honest, that would speak God's truth into each other's lives in smaller groups. We began to do that with groups in Perth, with different leaders, we didn't have to do it all in Port Elmsley and at that time Smith Falls and Carlton Place. And we began to see discipleship really grow in this vision. We saw roots of anger, shame, fear, identity beginning to be dealt with that can't be dealt with on a Sunday. Lives were beginning to change. Numbers not necessarily growing, but the church was starting to accelerate in its depth of knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, part of that was saying, well, we don't have to do all the work. People who love Jesus can do the work. And as they grow in Jesus, and there's a formula to what they're doing into God's word and studying it with books or talking and openness, God was going to bring amazing growth, formal discipleship. And our desire now for vision is to see more people grow in discipleship to disciple more people. See, a lot of times people go to church and say, well, the pastor, the elder should do the work. As I mentioned before, no, we want you to do the work and we want to put what you need to do the work in your hands. We want you to have the ability. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, teach faithful people to teach others. 
You have neighbors, you have co-workers, and discipleship even begins before they know the Lord by you loving them and caring for them. Matthew 28, we know that. Go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them the commands of the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do for each other. Amen? But a lot of us don't know how. And so what we're trying to do is to grow in that ability to put the tools in your hand. And we've started with our own leadership and we're calling them to a commitment that they would go through discipleship material, not because they don't know the material, but that they could know how to disciple others. And they say, well, I know this. Well, I know this too. But we need more information to help us disciple others. And the idea is if the leaders can do that, they'll do it with you and then you'll do it with others. And then there's a greater capacity for growth in our church. It was so neat this year. I went to Winnipeg. Another thing I would have never done, something called church renewal. I would have thought I could do it and I knew it all myself, but someone offered me a free flight. I was open because of brokenness and I went to that. And what did they talk about? How to get formal discipleship materials in your hand to disciple your church. Because we all need each other and there's a world out there that needs to be discipled. Amen? So the vision for a lot of us is to abide, to grow, that we will be discipled, that we can disciple others to see great growth. I came back from that conference. I was sitting beside another pastor. He's a little older than me, a little bit of a mentor. He was my pastor as a kid. We meet once a month. He said, Dan, you're a good pastor, but your church is never going to grow. Okay, thank you. Uh, where do I take this one? I'll take the bill. Thank you. Good night. Goodbye. And I'm never meeting with you again. No, that was the old Dan. The new Dan, who was a little more broken, said, tell me more. How can I learn? He said, obviously, you have an ability, but unless others are taught that same ability, you as a church cannot grow. Again, you're the workers, and you have a call, and you have a ministry. So we want to equip you to disciple others through our leaderships, through ministries, so you can grow. It's not 10 points. It's one theme. Ministering through discipleship. Changing lives. Making disciples. You all are extremely gifted and important. And you have a call to change your neighborhoods and your workplaces with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is your refueling center to learn to grow and to go out. This isn't the end all to be all. Those doors are the runway. <laughs> you come in, you gas up, you get refueled, and you go back out. And you go back out and you make disciples. And hopefully we can put some materials, some love in your hands to allow you to do that. Amen? Next slide. One of the things envisioned just quickly that was mentioned by Shannon is unified fellowship. We really believe unity creates an environment for the Holy Spirit to work. And obviously if there's pride involved, there's no submission to the Holy Spirit and to his word, there can be no unity. If you want to hold on to your sin, good night. But again, if you go through a breaking period and understand that you're wrong and you learn how gracious God is and his way is the only way 
Well, you want to be unified. I really believe that God blesses unity, not only unity in this place, but unity of the body of Christ. I've been here for 14 years, and I would tell you that churches are just beginning to unify now. Just this year, we've started pastoral prayer, where we call out for people to come to know Jesus. We're doing worship times. Even our own youth group, heaven forbid, joined with another church that we don't agree with everything on. And how about that? It's growing. Because it's not about our way. It's about God's way. And we're to work together for his kingdom. So we want to be a church that promotes unity with the body of Christ because he will bless it. People come to me, Pastor Dan, I'm going to a Bible study at another church. I say, Amen. I say, Oh, I have people over from another church. I say, Amen. Pastor Dan, I'm going to a kids ministry at another church. Amen. I did that too. We didn't have a kids ministry, so why don't I go to, I went to three churches. I'll go up to Rito Ferry to the hobby class. I went to the Pentecostal Church Boys and Girls Club, and I went to Awana at Calvary Bible, and they're all great. I'm not called to reinvent the wheel, and neither are we at Northgate. But we're called to come together as much as we can to be unique, but unify to see great growth, and God bless that. Amen? We're a little bit of glue here, because we're not Pentecostal, and we're not brethren, we're not conservative, and we're not crazy. <laughs> so you know what? The Pentecostals call me, hey, Dan, you want to do this with us? Oh, sure, why not? The brethren call us, hey, Dan, you want to hang out? Yeah! I've learned how to talk both languages. <laughs> talk about listening to God. I say, well, God told me. I go to the brethren, I say, the Spirit led me through his word, and they're all happy. <laughs> it's great. You just got to learn the lingo, right? I can talk Baptist, I can talk Pentecostal, but my real heart is unity. And you know what? I paid a price for that. Because a lot of people didn't think I stood up for enough truth in particular areas. But I'm only going to fight over eight issues, and that's Jesus Christ. And that he came and died and lived for us. Whether you raise your hand or put him down, whether you use liturgy or courses, doesn't matter to me. Whether you speak in tongues or you don't, doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you know the love of Jesus and you're walking with him and obeying him and growing and bearing fruit. That's our vision. Not to be some unique church. And you know what? I believe God's going to bring renewal and revival because he's put us in a special place here to do that. So finally, I think it's really important, one last point of our vision is being led by the Holy Spirit. And I say that for many reasons. Not for the reasons that you might think to see more miracles, though I'd love to see them. Not to see more healings, though I'd love to see them. Not to see more prophecies, I'd love to see them. But what I really want to see in our vision is to see repentance and confession. What I want to see is the Holy Spirit convicting people to what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. I want to see a church of vulnerability that can talk to one another and said, I blew it. I want to confess. I want to change. I want people around here to say, I did that too, and God forgives you, and let's move on. We want a church that is following the truth of God's word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that doesn't lead to no change. We want to see change. Amen? Amen. 
We don't want you to leave here struggling with the same sin. We want to see repentance and confession, and we want to be able to do that with one another. Not only that, simple obedience to what God's leading you in. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about direction as it mentions there. What is God asking you to do? What is he showing you to do? What we want to do is encourage you to do that. So if someone says to me, well, my gift, you fill in the blank is a nursing home and going to meet people. How can we help you do that? If God's shown you to do that, are you being led by the Holy Spirit? We want to be the voice in your life that says, yes, go, go. I want to be the voice our leaders, our body want to be the voice when we hear, I need to call my mother and confess about something in the past. We want to be the voice that says, obey the Holy Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit, follow the Holy Spirit. Amen. But as Shannon said, we don't want to judge you in that. We want to simply encourage you. We want to love you. That's what we want to do to each other. We want to say, you can do it. God is good. And we want you to follow him. Because when his Holy Spirit is working, and we see repentance and confession, and we see obedience, and we see direction, and Adley, lastly, outreach. Well, Dan, what about evangelism and outreach? I haven't even talked about in the vision. Because when people abide and grow, they're unified. God speaks to them for ideas to reach people. Amen. And the problem with the church, sometimes we start with evangelism, but we don't have discipleship. But as we grow in discipleship, he'll give us vision and ideas. And we're here to say, listen to his spirit and do it. Because you are called to do the work of the ministry, and my brain doesn't have a lot of ideas. See, I'm a discipler. My idea is to disciple. I'm not very good at evangelism. But I encourage you to do that. I do the work, but I don't have the gift. And so many times I've met with people who say, well, Dan, what about these people? Oh, what are we doing for these people? What are we doing for these people? I'm like, oh, I think God's putting something on your heart. Why don't you go get them? What do you need? Resources, time, support, energy? What do you need? We'll pray for it. We'll give you what we got. Oh, Dan, what about, what about this? What about children? What about seniors? What about uh, the, uh, those struggling in addiction? Oh, oh wow, wow, wow. Maybe get some ownership and some vision. Go get them. I had someone come to me. How are we going to reach people about prayer? Nasarati's not here. Probably got so snowed in at the cottage. He's like, how are we going to reach him uh, over social media? I'm like, I don't know, but I think you're the guy to do it. So he created a site. So he started putting stuff out. I said, how much money do you need? Let's start advertising. Let's start moving. And that's following being led by the holy spirit because i believe our relationship with jesus is alive and our vision is once we get rid of sin he wants to do things through you because the bible says you've been saved by grace through faith right but not for to do nothing but because he has good works prepared for each of you and your good work might be to pray praise the lord because we need people with the vision to pray and that's what i put there none of this action being led by the Holy Spirit happens if we're not praying. Where I want to see this church as it goes is a praying church, abiding, Holy Spirit speaking, responding, 
and God is going to bring forth the promises he's given us. Starts in him, in praying. Praying, Dan, you're always talking about praying. Dan, you're always talking about praying. Dan, give it a break. I'm not going to give it a break. I'm going to keep encouraging you that you need to be with the Lord, that you need to commit to abiding with him. And I just come up with these concepts just because I want you to be with the Lord. Websites, Pray for Perth, Team 20, you name the incentive. I'll give you a little secret. I don't really care about them as much as you being with Jesus. So many of us are Christians. Don't spend time with Jesus. Our vision is, as you do, you'll be renewed and changed and you'll be spoken to through his word and his truth and then you'll be set on fire to do the work of the ministry. That is simply our vision at Northgate. And we want you to be a part of it. Some of you, and this comes to February, we'll have another agape, we see new people all the time. Remember, we're at an airport, come in, come out, want you to abide. But we want you to partner together with us. How is God calling you? Would you pray about that if you're not serving in any capacity? How can I serve the body to edify it to whatever it is? And then in February, we'll have another thing and say, we have needs here, 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 and you prayed about it. It might be instant connection. God might give you a new vision. And you say, I have a vision. I'll say, go talk to Margie about kids. You might say, I have evangelism. I'll say, well, go talk to Joe. So I want to preach. I'm like, well, get in line behind Shannon Miller. <laughs> That's just a joke, right? Pretty good, though. It's on the spot. As most of my preaching is, but don't tell anyone. Uh, let's pray. And all of this is for Jesus. Amen? And so we have communion, and it's so important we renew in his truth, in his mind, and in his love. Thank you, Lord. We want to be a part of your work. This is your church, not ours. It's not Amy, it's not mine, it's not the elders, it's not the ministry overseers. This is a church of Jesus Christ. Just want to celebrate Jesus. And that's what we're going to do now. Greatest vision. Just to be with you. To know. To know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are forgiven. Maybe there's someone in this room. As Shannon said, maybe in your journey you know about Jesus. You've heard about Jesus. Or like Bob that maybe church wasn't a big part of your life. Or Jesus wasn't a big part of your life. But he's starting to grab you today. You realize something's missing. You need him. We all need him. His forgiveness, his power, his truth. And maybe that's you. The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth, believe with your heart that Jesus came, died, and rose again, that you'll be saved. You'll begin that journey of discipleship to know him more. We always want to make that opportunity available. We want to see new disciples. And maybe for you it's a pride thing. You want to do it on your own. I want to tell you it's only going to lead you to disaster. Maybe not now. Maybe you'll experience the pleasures of life. Or you think things are going well. But at some point you'll realize you can't deal with your own sin. Your own failure. 
your own yuckiness because we all have it. But the good news is Jesus Christ did. He paid the price and he gives you his righteousness if you believe and trust, repent and turn to him. If you've never done that, I would encourage you to do that today. Simply in your own heart, your mind, turn to him. Maybe you're a believer for a long time and you're stalled. Maybe you're doing it your own way. Just turn back to Jesus today. Understand his love. Renew in his truth. Don't conform to the world, but be renewed in your mind by the truth of Jesus Christ. His mercy, his grace. The elements are in the back. What we do is we just worship the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you that you've made us new creations in Christ. Thank you that you've forgiven us. Thank you that you love us. God, you are great. Thank you for sending Jesus. Maybe you've had a really awful week. You've really blown it. Well, you have opportunity now to confess and realize that you are forgiven. Obviously, communion is for those who are believers. If you don't know Jesus, you're just drinking some juice. It's not for you. But we invite you. It can be for you. If you do believe, the table is open. If you believe, it's open. It is so open. God is so open to you today. Let's just abide in him and worship him. Amen.